we've come to the end of our studies through Philippians. Uh, so we're in chapter 4, verses 19 through 23 today. Uh, I don't know about you guys, uh, but for me it's been encouraging to see how much Paul expected God to do within us as his people, how much God expected to do through our lives as we walk the road of faith in Christ. You know, I kind of couldn't get away from that theme as I was looking at the different verses of, man, this is what the Lord wants to do in your life, and this is, you know, all of the, the filling and the power and the, and the blessing that he has for his people. All in all, what I've taken away from this book is that God is just want, waiting to fill me up and to do an abundant work in my life. He's got all these great and incredible things, uh, you know, that he wants to do in my heart, but then it requires that I actually sign on, that I suit up, and I do what I'm asked to do. That's the only way that I get there. I have to actually engage and participate in the work that God wants to do. Otherwise, I'm shutting myself off from the fullness of God. And, and throughout the book, that's the theme that I saw. What God potentially has for his people, and then our choice, whether we are going to embrace that or whether we are going to neglect that. I've seen these great commandments and these great examples of how we surrender our lives to the Lord so that we can trade our own sufficiency, uh, which is terribly lacking, for God's sufficiency, which is eternal and wonderful. And now, in a few short words, Paul just says it all again as he invites us to embrace the Lord, embrace those around us, and receive that grace of God in a total permeating way. So let's look at our text, verse 19. Paul says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Uh, first of all, this passage makes me feel good grammatically because... I start a lot of sentences with the word and, even though that's not technically correct. But if it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. So he, he starts a sentence with and, so I feel good about that. Uh, but here we're at the culmination, and the final thoughts that Paul wants to communicate to God's people before sealing this letter up and sending it off with Epaphroditus to the believers in Philippi and to us as well. As he closes up all of these thoughts and all of these teachings about our spiritual submission to Christ, about the unity of the church, about giving to God, living the gospel, the fullness of God, he sews it all up by saying, when you embrace Jesus Christ, then he is able to supply all of your need. Of course, that teaching and that verse gets perverted by some who would limit God's blessing in our lives to material things. You know, their idea is that if you're a Christian, God is obligated to supply you with a Lexus if you claim that for yourself. That, of course, is not only in contradiction to the teachings of Scripture, but it is in complete contradiction to the examples of Paul and the Lord Jesus himself. You know, so that's kind of one of them, just as a side, you know, in America and in our area, and, you know, if you're a Christian for any amount of time and know other Christians that go other places, eventually you come across the what well, is called the health and wealth movement where, you know, you speak worlds with your words and you just claim things and God gives them to you because look at this blessing, look at this promise for, you know, God's riches and these other ones. And, and you know, just stepping back from that one, one step and saying, okay, so why was Paul a penniless, you know, naked, imprisoned apostle? Why did Jesus Christ not have anywhere to lay his head? You know, why were all of the... Why were all of the, uh, you know, the apostles martyred and brutally tortured for their faith? How come Paul had a life-besetting 
illness that he begged God to remove from his, from his you know, side, you know, the thorn in his side, and God said, no, you know. So, you, you know, don't, don't, get, don't get drawn off by that perversion of those kinds of verses. It's a, it's a contradiction of Scripture and a contradiction to the examples that we receive in the Word. No, instead, this verse is a sure reminder that when we relinquish control of our lives to the Lord, he will supply all that we need. H.A. Uh, Ironside would point out that sometimes the Lord looks down and says, oh, you need a starving right now. And, um, but the Lord is faithful to richly supply all that we need by his grace. With Christ at the helm of our lives, the destination is always good and full in the Spirit. Sometimes he will navigate us through a storm to reach our port. Sometimes the place he's taking us is across a long and barren sea. But in the end, God's goal is completion, not desolation for his people. His desire is to supply us richly with spiritual fruit and transformation and purpose and satisfaction, not leave us to stay in the same state throughout life. And there in verse 19, we can see this incredible invitation that God has given to his people. This incredible life heaped with God's richness and fullness. But it's by invitation only. You can't achieve it by other means and by other pursuits. And you can't achieve it without actually accepting the call that the master has given and what comes along with that. Sometimes we make the same spiritual decision that we see the Israelites making when God invited them into Canaan. You know, the Lord brought them there through the wilderness and he says, there it is. There is the promised land. Come in here. There's blessing in here. There's work in here. There's purpose in here. There's satisfaction in here. I, I'm with you to do and to accomplish so much in here, in this promised land. I have plans for you and vineyards for you and inheritances for you. I have all this stuff for you. So come on in. And, the, and God's people said, no, no, we're, we're, we're not really feeling it. We, we don't really believe you. We don't really you know, trust that you're going to be there with us. We, we're pretty content to stay on this side of the Jordan. Two of the tribes actually said, yeah, we, we, you know, we don't want to go in at all. Not even we don't want to go in right now. We want to wait till some things happen. They said, well, we don't want to go in at all. We're going to stay on this side of the Jordan. We're fine at the level we're at. We don't want more intimacy with you. We don't want what you've promised. We don't really want that. I'm fine to just stay and exist. And, of course, those were the tribes that were first to be conquered and first to apostatize and, and first to struggle away from the Lord. They had no place for worship. They had no intimacy with God. They had no purpose because they weren't conquering the land that, that God had set before them. They had said, hey, we're comfortable and we don't need any of that other stuff that you're offering. And we can make that decision as well sometimes too in our hearts. We look back in the Old Testament and we say, man, the Israelites were just blowing it. Look at them blow it. Look at them blow it. Look at them blow it. And the truth is they're there as an example because they are human, we are human. And we make that same decision as well as we open God's word and we see, man, this is what the Lord wants for the Christian life. And this is the calling that he's given all of us. And oftentimes in our hearts, if we are allowing our flesh to make decisions, we say, yeah, but I'm happy to go this far, but I don't really want the rest of the stuff, Lord. I'm happy on this side of the Jordan where you've kind of protected me from certain people here, but I'm happy to just hang out here. I don't really want to go in and conquer the promised land that you've set before me. And so this same invitation has been delivered to us. This same promised life that the Lord says, come in here, I have things for you in here. The same God that we see in the Old Testament has plans and purposes and power for us if we're willing to follow after him and submit ourselves to his governance. They're rich and marvelous things. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying God will do this for those that follow after Jesus. And we're invited to partake in that will of God. Verse 20 says, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Since we walk by faith and not by sight, we often find ourselves trying to understand God's will and seek it out. I mean, I think every Christian, I think all of us would say, yeah, I want to know the will of God. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the Lord wants me to do in this situation or in this period in my life and trying to just discover the will of God and get wisdom in that regard. We're trying to navigate life and we want what God's offering. But honestly, sometimes we don't always feel like we're getting it. We don't always feel like you know, the Lord's taking us where we think we want to go. We, we kind of struggle and say, okay, well, what is the will of the Lord? How do I get it? How do I discover it? Paul would encourage us to focus, focus, focus. He'd encourage us to dedicate our lives as an offering to truly glorify God. He says, look, the Lord is going to take care of this. The Lord is going to guard your heart. The Lord is going to give you wisdom. The Lord is going to fill you with the Spirit. The Lord is going to bring fruit in your life. The Lord's going to do these things. He's going to scatter us all around so that we can carry the gospel to the people that need it. And so our part, he says, is to dedicate our lives as an offering that is focused on truly glorifying God. You know, sometimes we talk about how our whole lives are worship and how we're created to glorify God. And, and those things are true. We understand that. Uh, but we need in this moment to stop and think within ourselves before our Lord as individuals about how, how am I glorifying the Lord in my actions? How am I glorifying the Lord in my relationships? In the time and place that God has set me, how am I really, truly glorifying the Lord? Could someone actually look at me, you know, an unbeliever, a neighbor across the street, someone who knows me, could someone actually look at me and, and, and look at my life and glorify God in response to what they see? Because if we're not focused on glorifying the Lord, then we're not going to be able to receive all of that filling and all of that wisdom and all of that direction that the Lord wants to give us. Uh, Peter, the apostle, got into some hot water there in the beginning of the book of Acts. You remember he was going into the temple and then there was that lame man there, you know, silver and gold I have none, you know, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So he healed that crippled man at the temple gate called Beautiful. And then they were going in and everybody was like, hey, what's going on? And Peter started preaching about Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead. And the religious leaders weren't happy. The, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the temple guards, they were upset and they arrested them. And they, they wanted to punish them for preaching about Jesus. But the text there in Acts says that they literally didn't know how to punish them because everyone there in the temple was praising God because of what happened. They weren't praising Peter. Peter wasn't asking for worship. He was like, hey, I'm, I'm just here doing what the Lord asked me to do. And the people all around him saw what had happened and were praising God. Since the Lord has determined to use us, to use men, to be his representatives on the earth, he's chosen us to carry his word and his gospel around wherever we go, then the outpouring of our lives and of our lips and of our behavior is so important. If we're called to be the representatives in the body of Christ, then, then the, the actual activity of our lives should be full of godliness and full of Christ-like behavior. We're called to focus on glorifying our God and Father through the power of the Holy Spirit who equips us to do the work of Jesus Christ here on the earth. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, you know, don't focus on the storms of life. Don't focus on how far you think you have to go. You know, I look at the Apostle Paul and I think, man, Lord, how am I ever going to get there? How am I ever going to be, you know, that content in you and that confident in you? And Paul says, no, no, no. Don't focus on me like I've attained. Don't focus on me like I'm the standard you need to get to. What you need to do is just focus on glorifying the Lord. And if you're focused on loving the Lord and glorifying him, then God can fill you and, and, uh, and uh, abound in you fruit and direction and all the wisdom and all of that stuff that you're seeking. 21. 
Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. Uh, I like this. The word there for greet means to, quote, enfold in the arms, end quote. As Christians, we are to unify with other believers in the church and embrace one another spiritually. God is determined to do a work through and also strengthen individuals as we gather together in the church. So the Lord says, hey, here's what I'm doing with your life individually, and I have this individual plan and purpose and filling and gifting for you and all of that. But the word also says, but when you gather together, I draw you to a local church, and I connect you with other believers, and I meet with you there in a special way, and I work through the group in a special way. It's important and needful for us to be a working part of the body of Christ, coming together to worship and to study and to pray and to serve one another. It's important, it's necessary for the Christian life. And so if we find ourselves ever being detached in some way, detached from worship with other believers, detached from study with other believers, detached from serving other believers in the church, it's time to enfold ourselves in the church so that the specific work God wants to do in us through his body can actually happen. And so we're to enfold one another and greet one another and be a part of one another's lives personally. Verse 22, all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Commentators point out that the term Caesar's household refers uh, specifically to the imperial guard. It wasn't just people who, you know, worked. It wasn't just servants who worked in Caesar's household. <coughs> they were the imperial guard of Caesar himself. And it's so exciting to think about what the Lord is capable of doing in the lives of the people around us. You know, we look at the Bible and we see that the power of God can save a man like Nebuchadnezzar. And that is unbelievable. I mean, he's this, this horrifying, maybe the worst dictator to ever live. He's, you know, doing these terrible things. He's conquering the world and he's doing all this stuff. And the Bible comes along and says, yeah, and the power of God could take that guy and transform it. It can take the Apostle Paul, a murderer of Christians, who was, you know, just venomously searching out Christians to destroy them. And, and the Lord said, Yeah, I can turn that person around. I can transform that person. The gospel can transform thieves and killers and those possessed by demons. Even Caesar's imperial guards, men who had probably done unspeakable things to others, uh, probably to other Christians. Yet God's love is poured out for them. And God has chosen to use people like you and me to impact people like that. You know, we look around and we think, man, look at that person. Look how hard they are against the gospel. Look how, you know, cruel they are and, and all that. And the Lord says, you know, I love that person and I can change that person's life if they are willing to turn to me. God still reaches out to the Ninevites of today. And he has given us the privilege of carrying his message of mercy there if we are willing. Paul's life and his preaching revealed God to these men, and their lives were changed for time and eternity. The same work has been set before me. People have been set before me by God, and my assignment is to reveal Jesus Christ to them. Through preaching and through living, some will be harder, some will be more ready for the gospel. But I am called to shine the light by demonstrating what Christ has done for me. And if we start feeling discouraged about the unbelievers around us, if we start losing hope in a specific family member or a co-worker or whoever, that we should be encouraged by this verse, verse 22, showing that the gospel can penetrate even the hardest, cruelest person. Paul ends by saying, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Here's part of the write-up on the word grace from Strong's Concordance. It means graciousness, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. A life surrendered to God is a life filled by God. 
that filling and that intimacy with God will be unmistakable to the people God has placed around you. The grace that saved you and I will be seeping out of our mouths and out of our actions and out of our attitudes and everything else about us. But again, we see that we're commanded to receive the grace of God, meaning that we have the ability to stop up that influence and that power that God desires for us. It is our choice whether we are going to receive it or not. And so with all these words, we find the very simple truth of the Christian life. God's filling is dynamic. It is awe-inspiring. It is almost indescribable in its incredible abundance. Yet we, through our choices, are able to either distance, distance ourselves from the flow of God's power or press into the flow of God's power. We are given the option to submit to God or to demand control of our situations. And so follow the Lord today. Receive the richness he wants for you. Embrace his spirit and embrace the church. See God's work go out into you and through you for his glory and his pleasure. Be filled and see what the Lord does with your life. Amen.